Wonderful. Again, uh, we'll hop into the talk now. So again, my name is uh, Eli. I'm a resident priest here at City Center. Um, and I think that I'll just go ahead and start off with a story. So you're welcome to close your eyes or you can open them too. Um, has anyone ever heard the, the know-how, the, uh, the tale of the rabbit in the moon? All right. We at least one. Well, here it is. So in the uh, Jataka tales, there's a story of a rabbit, a monkey, a jackal, and an otter. These four friends lived in harmony, each gathered food in their own way. And one day, they decided to practice charity on the day of the full moon, which for some of you who don't know, we have full moon ceremonies monthly to kind of not in a typical way, but kind of repent or kind of uh, start from scratch um, and uh, maybe not excuse, but recognize uh, some of the ways that we may have uh, not held the precepts. So anyways, uh, these four uh, were going to practice some charity on the day of the full moon, and they believed it would bring them good fortune. On the night of the full moon, an old beggar appeared. This beggar was actually Sakara or Sacra, excuse me, the ruler of the heavens, disguised as a test uh, for their vir virtue. The otter managed to catch seven red fish. The jackal found a lizard and a pot of milk curd. And the monkey brought a bunch of ripe mangoes. However, the rabbit, who only ate grass, realized he had nothing to offer. Determined to give something, the rabbit asked the beggar to build a fire. Once it was lit, the rabbit told the beggar he could offer his own body as food. The rabbit then jumped into the fire. However, the fire did not harm him, as the beggar was Sakra in disguise. Touched by the rabbit's act of selflessness, Sakra drew the likeness of the rabbit on the moon for all to remember rabbit's good deed. So if you actually look up at the, the, the moon, um, there's, I mean, you could Google this, but there's like a shadow that kind of outlines a rabbit. And now you know how that came to be. <laughs> so you can go point it out to a friend. Um, and before we get into any more of the stories tonight, I wanted to, um, you know, typically like there's a story and a commentary. I just am going to throw out a couple of, of, I guess you could say, Zen seeds for you to collect in your basket. You can go study, ask AI, ask a, you know, a teacher. Uh, a lot to get into, but I'll kind of scratch the surface of, of some of the tenets that uh, these stories tonight will cover. So uh, the main themes are going to be emptiness, non-attachment, which can also uh, be held as giving or generosity. So we're, we're just, you know, going to go all over the place tonight. And um, I will also mention one of our precepts, um, which is I vow not to be avaricious. Um, or in the affirmative, um, I vow to be generous. Um, so not, uh, not to be possessive of anything or uh, the, some of the way that... Um, uh, the translation speak is not to be possessed. So kind of hand in hand. And all of these terms overlap each other in various ways. So let me touch on the, the big one here, emptiness. Um, so 
all of you know tons about this, but let me just give you a brief reminder. It's one of the fundamental uh, concepts uh, that's uh, in Buddhism referring to the absence or inherent existence um, or permanence uh, in all things. So emptiness is one of the three marks of existence, um, and the three of them are, again, uh, one of the, the kind of centerpieces to Buddhism. Uh, the first mark is suffering. So I think that if you've heard anything around Buddhism, we all know what that is. Uh, and also impermanence, which many of us, I think, feel or experience as suffering. And then the last one is emptiness. Um, and so emptiness suggests that objects and experiences do not exist uh, independently, but are interdependent and defined uh, by their relationship with other things. And so this idea challenges kind of what most of us preconceive as a, that there's a fixed, unchanging uh, essence of objects or of the self. Uh, emptiness is not a state of voidness, uh, but instead a recognition of the fluid uh, interconnectedness of uh, the nature of true reality. Uh, encourage uh, a detachment from material and ego-driven perceptions and fostering a deeper understanding of the universe and one's place in it. So we could fill a thousand Dharma talks uh, speaking more to, to emptiness, but perhaps that snippet is enough for tonight. To speak um, about non-attachment, uh, giving, and generosity, I wanted to quote, um, as I usually do, Suzuki Roshi from Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. And he says, to give is non-attachment. That is, just not to attach to anything is to give. Every existence in nature, every existence in the human world, every cultural work that we create is something which was given or is being given to us. And that's relatively speaking. But as everything is originally one, we are in, actually, or in actuality giving out everything. Moment after moment, we are creating something, and this is the joy of our life. But this I, which is creating and always giving out something, is not the small I. It's the big I. Even though you do not realize the oneness of this big I with everything, when you give something, you feel good. Because at that time, you feel at one with what you're giving. That is why it feels better to give than to take. Our 12th century ancestor, Dogen Zenji, says, to give is non-attachment. Uh, that's just not to attach to anything is to give, who Suzuki Roshi was quoting earlier. It does not matter what is given. To give a penny or a piece of leaf is danya prajna paramita. To give one line or even one word of the teaching is danya, prajna, paramita. If given in the spirit of non-attachment, the material offering and the teaching offering have the same exact value. With the right spirit, all that we do, all that we create is danya, prajna, paramita. So to produce something, to participate in human activity is also danya, prajna, paramita. To provide a ferry boat for people or to make a bridge for people is danya, prajna, paramita. Actually, to give one line of the teaching may be a lifeboat or a ferry boat to somebody. 
So this uh, aspect of Donna, which I'm sure everyone has heard of, of before, uh, or giving is one of the first, or is the first of the six paramitas or the six perfections. Uh, again, another core Buddhist tenet for you all to check out. Um, and just to run through them, uh, the first one is giving. The second is morality or ethics. Uh, the third, patience. Uh, the next is enthusiasm. Uh, the last two are concentration and wisdom. And so if you study them, they all kind of build off of one another. So it's kind of fair to say that the, the first one of Danya Prajna Paramita uh, is the most important. And again, of course, this could include material things, but kind of for the uh, purpose of tonight, we're looking at it more relationally uh, in terms of ourselves and others. And in order to do that, uh, of course, we have to know <laughs> a little bit about ourself and a little bit about what we can offer. And so it ties back into uh, this practice that we have of studying the self in Zazen. One uh, a quote that I wanted to give, uh, or something that a teacher I work with, Susan O'Connell, uh, said uh, relating to emptiness, which I thought was very uh, helpful for for kind of relating it uh, to the stories as we will, is that nothing does stand alone. Nothing is the nothing of something, and something that is given with no expectations is the gift of nothing. This nothing allows complete view of the other and holds relationship above all. So I think that's really kind of a vital point. This nothing allows complete view of the other and holds relationship above all. So that's what I want to center on tonight, how these teachings uh, support relationship with the self and others, and how by not clinging uh, to a separate sense of self or being possessive, we can instead turn towards cultivating and expressing generosity, and how powerful giving and receiving the gift of nothing can be. So this is also the space that we just created in Zazen, and uh, I think with that, we'll just go ahead and hop into a couple of stories. So the first one's very short. Case 41 of Samsam Sutra. Bodhidharma, who I think most of you have heard uh, of before, our famous Chinese ancestor who's known for ripping off his eyelids and just doing hardcore zazen for years. Bodhidharma saw, sat facing a wall, the second ancestor, having cut off his arm, I don't, the, cutting off his arm, does it, it doesn't really, yeah, I know, it doesn't really have anything to do, but if you get into cons, like sometimes they just hit you with wild stuff, they cut up cats, all kinds of, of wild stuff. It really does nothing to do with anything, but I'm going to read it. <laughs> having cut off his arm, stood there in the snow, he said, your disciple's mind has no peace as yet. I beg you, master, Please put it to rest, Bodhidharma said. Bring me your mind, and I will put it to rest. Where's the rest of the koan? Okay. The ancestor said, I have searched for my mind, but I cannot find it. Bodhidharma said, then I have completely put it to rest for you. That's the koan. They don't get too deeper than that. And that leads us to our feature presentation for the, tonight, The Gift of Nothing. Who's, who was with me last time I, I brought this out at Yaz? 
Okay, wonderful. So you all are brand new to this, I'm assuming. Uh, this is a book written some time ago um, by Patrick McDonald. And uh, he does like daily comments, the mutts. I don't know if you've ever heard it and, or seen them in, in the little cartoon section. I think they still exist. Um, yeah, according to Publishers Weekly, this is a pure delight. The Washington Post said it's priceless. But People Magazine said, a sweet tale with a Zen message. So basically they authorize this for use in here. <laughs> and I will now share it with you. And you know, I went to Alpha Graphics. I was going to try to get like blown up like poster boards because I thought it'd be tacky to have the TV in here so everyone could see. They wanted like for poster boards like over $1,000 for like little 12 by 24s, 300. Um, and that's kind of like what we make in a month for stipends. So I'm sorry. I will try to describe uh, what's on these pages, but it's really a great book. I advise you to get it for your coffee table. So it was a special day, and there's Mooch's house and Earl's house. And so you know, Mooch is this wonderful little cat, and his best friend is named Earl. So that's their, their houses there. It was a special day, and Mooch wanted to give his best friend, Earl, a gift. And there's Mooch sitting at the window. There's Earl hanging out in his window. But what to get him? He had a bowl. He had a bed and a chew toy. Squeak. He had it all. Mooch thought and thought, what do you get something, or what do you get someone who has everything? A bunch of question marks around Mooch's head. He's just lying there, zonked out. Nothing, he exclaims. He would give Earl the gift of nothing. But what in this world filled with so many somethings where could he find nothing? He's kind of poking around the corner. Mooch often heard Frank say, there's nothing on TV. But as far as Mooch could tell, there was always something on TV. Blah, 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 blah. Mooch often heard Doozy and her friends say, there's nothing to do. But as far as Mooch could tell, everybody was always doing something. They're just having a snowball fight. Millie, who I'm assuming is like the, one of their owners, came home from the store and said, there's nothing to buy. So Mooch went shopping. Off to the city, Mooch goes. And it shows Mooch going into some probably big box store. No words on the page. Mooch looked up and down every aisle. He found many, many, many somethings. The latest this, the newest that. But as far as he could tell, nothing was for sale. So Mooch went home. And sat Zazen 
No, he didn't sit zazen, but he's sitting on a pillow. Do you see that? He's sitting zazen. If we really want to be, no, if we really want to be honest about things, he's sitting zazen and just stayed still as cats often do. And not looking for it, he found nothing. So he went and got a box and put nothing in it. So he's standing there with a box, opening the lid. Then Mooch thought, hmm, maybe Earl deserves more than this. So he got a bigger box. (laughs) That's generosity for you. Now that's plenty of nothing So he's carrying his box of nothing over to Earl's house. For me, said Earl, Mooch, you didn't have to get me anything. Who told him, thought Mooch. (laughs) Earl opened Mooch's gift. There's a little Earl sticking a little doggy face in the box. There's nothing here, said Earl. This is the best part of the book, too. My daughter uh, really loves it. I wish you could see. The way that yes is spelled is Y-E-S-H. Yes, said Mooch. Nothing. But me and you. They're hugging there. So Mooch and Earl just stayed still and enjoyed nothing. They're sitting there looking out the window together. And everything. The end of that book. And they're playing at the end, so that is the gift of nothing. And um, I could say a lot more uh, about this, and I'm going to just leave it at that. Uh, and we're going to just transition into an activity. So I think most of you should have been able to grab some bubbles on the way in. Did anybody not see the sign in the big... There's always one of us. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I like Josh. I... No, he's, he's actually just hooking everybody up. Generous, selfless... Bodhisattva activity. Thank you, Josh. Well, I'll just have to make a bigger sign next time, I guess. Just teasing. And my thought is sometimes it's better to just leave books and things just at that. Nothing else needed to be said. So what I thought we would do for the next yeah, couple minutes or so is um, some practice. Um, some of my favorite practices that I think...